Hello, welcome to Daniel Leon's views of wrestling, sports, TV, sh TV shows, sports, and movies. Excuse me. And uh, on the app, if I'm not mistaken, you get to read. No, let me say that you get to talk for an hour. So that's what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do, which is I think is not just important, but it, not just um, need, but it's very important for, uh, for not just the podcast, but when you talk about things like um, wrestling and sports and TV shows. Wrestling, even though it's not a sport, it does have a sports-like atmosphere. So, you, you usually um, you tend to trying to think how you say that. You tend to make a big deal out of the history of wrestling like you do um like you do history of sports. So when you look at pay-per-views <clears throat> you want to talk about Every, you want to talk about the beginning all the way through. So what I'm going to do when talking about past pay-per-views, I want to actually, I'm actually going to stop my, uh, <clears throat> I'm actually going to stop talking about the Raw vs. Nitro series for a few for a few weeks as I talk about the pay-per-views in chronological order because I really like talking about pay-per-views and I uh and unlike in 96, they didn't have a lot of pay-per-views to talk about or a lot of uh, storylines to talk about. So, talking about uh, Mid-Atlantic, just to talk about pay-per-views would be too long because that's how long the first three Starcades were. They would build Starcade for literally years at a time, one year at a time. Until WrestleMania came around, and then he would talk about two pay-per-views at a time, which eventually became the pop, which eventually spawned the popularity of two or three pay-per-views a year. No, I'm sorry. What I was gonna say was, when after WrestleMania, I think uh, eight months passed. I think, and then you just then they decided. To have the wrestling challenge pay per view. And then 
They decided to have a third pay-per-view before WrestleMania. And then they decided to have Survivor Series the after after that. And then Royal Rumble about a year after that. So, so, the, so the idea of talking about pay-per-views, because I spoke about them before, so reading about them is because... I read about them because I already spoke about them in the past, and I don't want to do it again. So, I'm going to... So, I'm going to read the ones I already spoke about, watch the ones I do not speak about, and then do a podcast on them. So, the first ever um, Starcade, and this I found to be interesting... That instead of showing, instead of starting the show off where people were, where where they were hyping the main event, they just started off with a with a regular tag team match, and it was the Assassins, number one and number two, going against Rubisar Jones and Bugsy McGraw, with Paul Jones managing the Assassins. In this match, and uh, one assassin rolled a Bugsy McGraw at 8 minutes and 11 seconds to win the match. And then Gary Hart, then Gary Hart's team of Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin defeated Scott McGee and Johnny Weaver at 6 minutes and 43 seconds. And Abdullah the Butcher defeated Carlos Colon at 4 minutes and 30 seconds. And Bob Orton Jr. and Dick Slater uh, defeated Mark Youngblood and Ronald McDaniel at 14 minutes and 48 seconds. Charlie Brown went against um, Greg, the great Kabuki for the TV title where, um, where Charlie Brown put up his mask against the Great Kabuki's TV title and <clears throat> interest, interesting stipulation. Only 15 minutes of the match was for the TV title, but all of the match was for the mask of Charlie Brown. This was one of the... Um, this was the worst... Um, this was a great match... The idea was a great idea, but that mask was the worst mask, the worst um, attempt at trying to hide somebody's identity I've ever seen. I mean, you could see Dusty Rhodes was the Midnight Rider, but even his mask hid his face more than Charlie Brown's mask hid his face. Charlie Brown, when he was not Charlie Brown, by the way, was, um, Jimmy, Jimmy Valiant, the Boogie Woogie Man, meaning he loved to have fun, and he had a lot of charisma, too, <clears throat> and I say that was the worst, uh, that was the worst, uh, Matt, the worst, um, sale of 
of uh, close of disclosing somebody's identity is because um, Jimmy Valiant didn't even didn't even shave his beard to even try to even try to take his to even try to hide his existence. Everybody knew that was Jimmy Valiant. Because that's how you know that it was slowly, the the term fake was, they were slowly coming out of the closet with the fact that it was, that it was um, a show. And I don't, and the reason I say it like that is because it was secret. It was supposed to be secret that it was a show, but what they slowly, they slowly... Um, said they slowly showed it, showed you it was a show, and then they came out with it back, um, back in the early 2000s, and they called it entertainment. So, at 10 minutes and 35 seconds, Charlie Brown beat Great, really Great Kabuki to win the TV title. So, not only did he keep his mask, but he won the title, which made it worse. So Gary Hart, the first time I ever saw him do this, Gary Hart, one of the most, um, intel well, I really have trouble describe, descri trouble knowing how to describe him, because you've had, like, you've had, um, definitive geniuses, in that business, so to describe um, Gary Hart, I can't really say how he was, um, but I can say that he didn't usually get mad, so for him to get so mad that he threw his jacket down, that when he jumped it, he ran in the ring, he threw his jacket down, that was a rare occasion to see. So I would always laugh when I would see that because of seeing him cut promos in the past. How he ne doesn't usually yell and for him to throw his coat down. It's like, what's going on with him? Then in the first ever dog collar match in 16 minutes and 8 seconds, Roddy Piper defeated the United States champion Greg Valentine. This is one of those times where wasn't about the title, it was just about just about the two of them having a match against each other. <clears throat> so it was really interesting to see that. I mean, uh, let me restate that. It's interesting to see it in the video and if you watch the vid if you watch the uh the episodes of Mid Atlantic TV it was even more interesting to see the aftermath of it. <clears throat> The next match was uh, the for the World Tag Team Titles, the NWA World Tag Team Titles with wrestling great Angelo Mouska as the special guest referee. Uh, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood defeat. Uh, well, yeah, they defeated the Briscoe Brothers to become the new tag team champions in thirteen minutes and twenty four seconds. But for people who watch Ring of Honor, these Briscoe brothers are Jack Briscoe and Jerry Briscoe. 
who are in the WWE Hall of Fame. <clears throat> they don't look anything like the other Briscoe brothers. And then in the main event for the scheduled, I believe, for an hour, it's the steel cage match for the NWA World Heavyweight title with Gene Kaniski as special guest referee. Ric Flair defeated Harley Race with a... This was the only time I ever saw him win with... He, not only did he win with this, it's the only time I ever saw him actually jump off the top rope with this maneuver. The top rope crossbody block for the victory. And... What I... And going back to... Bob Orton Jr. and Dick Slater being a tag team. They were associates of Harley Race and to help build up this um this main event along with the pay per view itself. He had um they to help build it up, he Harley Race put up a bounty twenty five thousand dollars, I believe. For people to take Ric Flair out of wrestling. Because he was tired of dealing with Ric Flair. And after weeks and maybe even months. Of wondering who it was going to be. They find in the middle of Ric Flair facing Harley Race one week. For the TV I believe on TV. That. Orton and Slater got involved, caused a disqualification, and they collected the bounty. So that's what... So not only were they associates of Harley Race, they cashed in on Ric Flair. Uh, they had... Uh, um, some of the two of his two friends that were checking on Ric Flair were... Roddy Piper and... Uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniel. So it was a different time to say the um to say the the most. To say the least would say to say the least it was um what we it was rare not to see somebody check on somebody. The the most would say it's the most would be to say it was um, it was, um, surprising. It was shocking, as a matter of fact, in those days. Because how different the business was. Hmm. So, that's, so that's how the first Starcade happened. Second Starcade was really interesting. It was, um... It was the first time that I know of where a boxing, uh, where a boxer stand, stands in to referee a match for, the, for a wrestling heavyweight title, or a wrestling match for the heavyweight title. Joe, Joe Frazier, Smoking Joe Frazier, I believe, was his nickname. Or smoking Joe Frazier. However, you like to pronounce it. I believe that was his nickname. And it was in the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. Where the the winner 
of the match would not only be champion, but win a million dollars. That was to help, once again, that was to help make you believe it was real. They also had a U.S. title match, a World TV title match, an NWA Florida heavyweight title match, match, Mid-Atlantic heavyweight title match, and a Brass Knuckles title match. The junior heavyweight title was Mike Davis defending against Denny Brown, and he lost 5 minutes and 38 titles to... And 38 seconds to Denny Brown. Four even minutes. Brian Adias defeated Mr. Ito. Um, the NWA Florida Heavyweight Champion was Jesse Barr. And he defeated Mike Graham at 11 minutes and 43 seconds to keep the title. Um, the Assassin number 1 teamed with Buzz Tyler... In an elimination match to be to go against Zambui Express, Elijah Akeem and Kareem Muhammad with Paul Jones in their corner. So it means that the the assassins broke up at this time. That means that Assassin One was a good guy. Think uh, Kareem Pin Buzz. Assassin 1 pinned uh, Kareem, and then Assassin 1 pinned Zambuya, pinned Elijah Akeem at 5 minutes and 26 seconds. However, to, if it was to make sense, Kareem pinned Buzz, pinned Kareem, Elijah pinned Buzz, and Assassin 1 pinned Elijah, if I'm not mistaken. If we're going to talk about what makes sense. So I believe that, that it did happen. I do believe that one he'll pin the babyface and uh babyface pinned the hill and a hill or he'll be in babyface and babyface pinned a hill and a Okay, forget what I just said. I'm starting to stammer. And then Manny Fernandez uh, defeated Black Bart, who was the NWA Brass Knuckles champion. He defeated Black Bart at 7 minutes and 35 seconds to win the Brass Knuckles title. In a Tuxedo Street Fight Loser Leafs Town match, Jimmy Valiant lost to Paul Jones at 4 minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, the NWA Mid Atlantic Heavyweight title. Ron Bass with J.J. Dillon in his corner at 9 minutes and 12 seconds defeated Dick Slater, who got himself disqualified. And in a tag team match at 15 minutes and 28 seconds, Ivan and Nikita Kolov defeated Ole Anderson and Keith Larson with Keith Larson's brother, Don Kernodal, in the corner with them. And for the World TV title, Tully Blanchard defeated Ricky Steamboat. And um, for the NWA United States Heavyweight title, 4 minutes and 18 seconds, Bobby McDaniel defeated Superstar Billy Graham for the 
to keep the U.S. Heavyweight title. And Joe Frazier stopped the match when he saw Dusty Rhodes bleeding. In his mind, which was, he bled too much in Joe Frazier's mind. He stopped the match at 12 minutes and 12 seconds. So Ric Flair not only kept the title, but also won the uh, million dollar prize money. Okay, uh, glad I looked at this. I just found out that, okay, I don't think they have the first type of Great American Bash on the network, so I'll read about it. Jimmy Valiant in a dog collar match in a Great American Bash, the first one, defeated Paul Jones. Manny Fernandez, Sam Houston, and Buzz Tyler defeated Billy, superstar Billy Graham, Conga the Barbarian, and Abdullah the Butcher in a six-hand tag team match. Ron Bass fought Buddy Landell to a draw. Ron Bass had James J. Dillon in his uh, corner, by the way. Minnesota, Re Minnesota Wrecking Crew of Ole and Arn Anderson defeated Buzz Sawyer and Dick Slater to keep the national, no, to keep, yeah, to keep the national tag team titles. And the Russian team, Ivan Koloff, Pressure Khrushchev, um, fought, who were the world tag team champions, uh, fought the AWA world tag team champions, the Road Warriors, to a double disqualification. And the U.S. champion, Magnum T.A., defeated Kamala by disqualification. Kamala was managed by Skandar Akbar. And in the main event, no, the co-main event, Ric Flair, who was heavyweight champion, NWA heavyweight champion, defeated Nikita Koloff, who was with Ivan Koloff in his corner. David Crockett happened to be the special guest referee at the time. And so Dusty Rhodes, in a steel cage match for the World TV title, defeated Tully Blanchard. Then Star K, 1985. Crusher Crucia, well, actually... This was the first time that they did any pay-per-view, let alone Starcade. They ha did. They had um, done pay-per-view in two separate places, Greensboro and Omni. I'm going to talk about that in another episode. Thank you and goodbye. Hello, this is Daniel Vale. I want to tell. Uh, Anchor, thank you for this free um, service, and thank you that I can uh, use any email to sign up for other shows if I choose to have more than one. Thank you, and goodbye.